Hi guys, today I'm here with Adiba. We're actually re-recording this because I'm very bad at technology. We were like 15 minutes in and I realised that it wasn't recording properly. So you've missed out on a legendary discussion. But I'm sure there will still be good content today. Hi Adiba, how are you? Hello, I'm I'm good. But I'm just sad that the like everybody is going to miss out on all of our banter. Yeah. <laughs> So can you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are? Yeah, um, so I'm Adiba. I'm a Bangladeshi and Irish writer. Um, I write mostly YA contemporary. Um, and my debut novel, The Hannah Wars, um, is a YA contemporary romantic comedy. And it's out June 2020. And I'm so excited for it. It's one of my favorite books. It's so queer and so cool. And yeah, I love it. Everybody that's read it loves it because it's amazing. Thank you. I hope everybody will like it when it's up they will and i love ace of spades you know that thank you okay we're gonna get started on the episode and the questions um so first of all what is this episode about we're gonna be talking about life before querying and what goes into your book and the stages before you start querying agents and we're gonna talk about our experience we're both marginalized writers so yes starting with the first question what are the things you do before you query an agent and what is a query so what is a query which is a really good question because I feel like sometimes I still don't really know what a query is. Um, but essentially, it's like when you're searching for an agent, you um, write an email pitching your book, um, usually with some pages of your book included. And that is what we call a query. So it's your first professional um, interaction with agents yeah i agree i think that a query is essentially just describing your book to agents in a really cool way that makes them want to read on and also introducing yourself as an author to these agents and doing it Mm -hmm. in a very concise way yeah Yeah. it's very difficult to do it is i think it takes practice and i feel like having the guidance of people who are kind of established or have done it like loads of times before even like writers that are not necessarily agented but have been querying for a long time or have been researching for a long time they can give you a lot of help and guidance so i've got loads of cps um not all of them are agented but some of them have been querying or have been in the industry for like years so they know so much that i just don't know so they have been invaluable yeah and i feel like like writing a query is such a different skill from um writing a book because like when you're writing a book it's you know it's long form you have different things that you need to put into your book um but when you're writing a query it's all about being concise um like catching an agent's eye and all of that which is like very different from what you're trying to do with your novel so it can be like you can be an amazing writer and not necessarily be great at writing queries um so it is really good to have people can look over your query yeah i agree like um me and adiba and some other authors of color we created a mentorship scheme this summer in june i believe um and it was called avengers of color and we just wanted to help people with their query packages because there's so much information that people don't know especially marginalized writers who may not necessarily have access to spaces that will inform of them of these things so we kind of help them with their query package because sometimes people have amazing manuscripts or amazing 
ideas and um, are capable, but they just don't have the guidance that that sometimes you need. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are some things you do you did before you got an agent? Um, so obviously, first of all, I wrote the book, which is pretty important. Um, <laughs> probably the most important. Um, and then after I wrote the book, I uh, revised it by myself a few times um i sent it to i had two rounds of beta readers so i sent it to the first round which was a small round it was about five people um i got their feedback i revised it again and then i sent it to a wider round of beta readers i think about 10 people that time um and then i got their feedback i revised it um i did my research um into agents what kind of agents were looking for books like mine. Um, I made a spreadsheet with all my research. Um, and then finally, I was ready to query. I had kind of a similar process as well. I wrote Ace of Spades, but like I wrote it, but then I kind of revised it to be sent off to a mentorship scheme. Uh, when that didn't work out, I got my CPs and I kind of sent it out in rounds of CPs. And then yeah basically what adiba said and how long does it take you to like write and revise your book um well i think every book is different so with the hannah wars i i think i started writing it in january 2018 i finished my first draft in march so that took three three months to write my first draft and after that i revised um a fair few times with the help of beta readers and I was ready to query in September 2018. So that was all of the writing and revising I did before I had an agent. Um, after I signed with my agent, so I signed with him in November. Um, we revised together once. Then we went on sub. I got my book deal. And I've been revising with my editor. Um, like, I think we revised. We had two rounds of revision, we had one round of copy edits. Um, so we're basically done with it now, but we still have um, past pages to go. Yeah, I um, write very fast drafts because I don't take care of myself, I don't sleep and I don't eat. I just, I kind of write and um, the longest time it took before Ace of Spades to write a book was like two months and that was my first book when I hadn't written anything before um, in long form. and. After that, it's taken me about a month to write. Ace of Spades took 28 days. But then again, I'm quite a extensive planner. I know that Adiba kind of doesn't plan. But um, yeah. everybody has different kind of methods of writing. I like to do very, very detailed plans, which helps me to kind of write a draft that I know where I'm going. Um, some people like to explore and find their way along the way. So I then revised it for a few weeks. As I said, I was trying to apply for a mentorship scheme. So I kind of rushed the revision process. But after that, I this was like March, um, 2018. After that, I, um, didn't get into the mentorship scheme. We'll talk about that later, mentorship schemes and stuff like that and pitches and pitch contests. But yeah, I got my agent in July, 2018. So I was revising basically from when I finished writing it in March, 2018 till July, 2018, when I got my agent. Okay. So how, how long is that from, Oh dear, maths. I'm actually quite good at maths. Um, so March is yeah, the... Yeah, you love, you love maths. You I love maths. Great at um, third month and seven months. So like, that's four months. So that's, that's really short. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it felt long to me. <laughs> no, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's quite short. Okay. It's good. I feel like it's good. Yeah. 
and everyone has kind of like their own process and how long it takes them to write like everybody has a different life so I obviously don't take my degree seriously I'm at university right now and so I had a lot of free time to write um the book and kind of put things off and some people don't have the energy or the time to basically put those hours in but it's still okay and everybody has their own process and um and I feel like especially when you're like but before you're agented um like I'm most people before they're agented are like you know supporting themselves in some way um and so a lot of people are like they have day jobs um like I had a day job when I was like you know I, I, I was a teacher and I'm an introverted um so like teaching is like super draining so I would like teach all day I'd come home at three and I'd like I'd be like I have to write um and like I love my book and everything but it was just so difficult to actually like sit down and write or revise after having like a full day of teaching um so like that's probably one of the reasons why it took me like three months to write the first draft for example because it is like a lot of people are balancing so much especially before their agent did um and probably for a lot of people after their agent did after they have book deals um so yeah like it is it is like different for everyone and everybody is balancing different things yeah like some people have families or they have really demanding jobs or they're just Mm -hmm. not having a great mental like health so honestly there's no um hard and fast rule for when you should finish writing your book or and revising and we don't recommend following the free the method of (laughs) not sleeping and not going to university like i highly do not recommend that um well i'm alive and i'm okay (laughs) i'm okay um how do you know when you're ready to query and like how many drafts do you usually write um so i think knowing when you're ready to query that's a really difficult question to answer because um it's difficult to know when you're ready to query um but for me with the henna wars i kind of knew when i was ready to query because um the feedback i was getting from my beta readers were mostly positive um and like any kind of criticism they had um only one beta reader would have that criticism so for example if um well Frida you were one of my beta readers so if Frida said for example I think um this character needs to be a little bit more developed um one of my other beta readers would say I think this character is really well developed um I think this other character needs more development for example um and I kind of knew at that stage because all the feedback was so different that probably most of it was subjective rather than um something that i really needed to work on um so like i was really happy with my work i felt like my beta readers were pretty happy with my work um so i was like i'm going to query um but even at that stage i was really unsure so i think a good way to know if you're ready is to send out your queries in batches so i had i i would send out 10 queries in a go um and then i would wait to see what kind of responses i was getting and what kind of feedback i was getting um so i was getting really positive feedback i got a lot of requests so i was like well clearly i'm doing something right 
So I'm just going to keep querying. I also think that it's important to take note that your book doesn't have to be perfect when you're querying. Mm-hmm. I think your query needs to be strong, but your book doesn't necessarily need to be like 100% perfect. After people get agents, some people are still revising with their agent for months. Some people for like a year. So it doesn't have to be perfect um, when you're going to query an agent. But one thing I wanted to mention is that for people of colour, sometimes it feels like you're querying and you feel like you're getting good feedback from betas, but you're still not getting agented. I think things to look, like signs to look out for is that you're getting full requests or um, you're getting generally feedback and not form rejections from agents. Um, Because often with people of colour, we have a lot of coded language in query responses and people not really getting our characters because the industry is not used to seeing characters that aren't the convention and don't match what we're seeing in publishing from previous years of like white cishet people. And so sometimes it's not your query or your book, it's the agents and their ignorance. Um, but a good thing like Adiba was saying was she was getting really good feedback from agents and she ended up getting like three offers I think yeah quite quickly as well yeah um but yeah like you're completely right um like I feel like every single person of color I know who has queried has has had their share of rejections which have that kind of coded language um I think especially for you and me um but me because you know like I'm writing about you know like the romantic comedy with queer people of color um and they all get happy endings um and nobody's in pain because they're queer and muslim and brown um so you know i got a lot of i I got some like coded rejections that kind of implied they wanted to see more pain there um and even for you like even though your book is gonna break everybody's heart and make everybody cry and hate their life um it's not because of you know like it's not because of their queerness or because of that you know so um I feel like I feel like there's certain things that um that the publishing industry wants to see from people of color um especially from queer people of color um and if you don't deliver that you do often get rejections from agents that can be coded and they're not about your book and they're not about your query. Um, It's just, it's a problem with the publishing industry. And it's really difficult to get those rejections because you don't actually know like what to do with it. But, you know, my advice is to just ignore it and keep pushing on. And they never stop. Like even when you've gotten an agent and you're going on submission you still have these rejections coming in i've got so many friends who just stay on the submission for such a long time because people want to see a specific type of story from us they want to see us dying on the page they don't want happy endings it's really really sad seeing this trend but i'm hoping it's getting better yeah i like i hope so too but then you do see like whenever um or every week when there's announcements for books, um, like I think like almost every single book by a black author I've seen announced in the past couple of months has been like about pain. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that too. And obviously I am a big advocate to write whatever you like because mm-hmm. I love writing pain. 
um because i'm i'm an emo i really love sad stories it's what i read it's what i consume but at the same time seeing sad stories just about police brutality and um black people dying systemically or systematically it's not really that great and it kind of kind of do something to you psychologically seeing that constantly being the only thing that editors and publishers seem to want but i think that there is definitely room for change and i've seen some stories be taken in like um one of my friends louisa Uh her book's coming out in 2021 and that's about community and black people and just happiness so i feel like there is space opening up it's just going very very slowly and we wish it was like faster um but yeah yeah i like i i think there's space for both of those stories to be told or a wide range of stories to be told um, the publishing industry just needs to be able to accept that we are diverse and there's pain in our stories and there's happiness in our stories and they need to take both of those on board yeah exactly and even when we say we don't want stories about pain we don't mean that we don't want stories about racism or like people being affected by their marginalization because this the truth is we don't live in a vacuum and even in happy stories like the henna wars there are mm-hmm. scenes where you see what white supremacy and what like bullying looks like when you're not someone that fits the norm of that environment and i really loved that mm-hmm. because i was reading a story that was very happy but we saw like real things being reflected like prejudice against people who don't have the same food as the white people in the story or look different or dress different so i really like that and i really wish publishing would see that we can still reflect our experiences and the oppression we face without having this whole story be centered around us dying and being killed yeah exactly just stories about like how we live our life you know exactly like, yeah because we can be in a romantic comedy and we can fall in love that doesn't mean the racism that we experience in our lives disappears it still exists it's just not the central point of the story yeah exactly i would love to see more of that basically yeah me too did we talk about how many drafts we write no we didn't okay and so how many drafts do you write when you're when you're writing basically like when do you know when you've reached kind of the last draft to send to an agent so like what draft number is it um i think again it really depends um and it depends on where you are in the publishing process as well um so with the henna wars i think i had i think the draft that i sent um to agents as queries um was draft number five um so now I'm working on other stuff that I'm writing. Um, I haven't said anything yet to my agent, but I, th- I think probably it won't be draft number five because because I'm agented and I know that he and I are going to be working on revisions together. I feel more comfortable sending him an earlier draft so that we can work on revisions together and we can see like kind of what direction um, we want the story to go um, to go towards together like we can see how our visions are right like i would like to hear his feedback as i am revising um so i think like it just depends on on your story and it also depends on where you are in the publishing process yeah i agree i feel like i because i i used to edit while i was writing so it's a space i wrote and edited at the same time so i had less drafts and i felt like i was ready to send to agents earlier but 
uh, with book two, aka the book from hell, I've had to send my agent a draft I'm not happy with, but I feel like it's kind of accepting. I'm okay with it. I don't really feel happy, happy with it. Like, I wouldn't query it. Okay, because you you said you were happy with it. I am happier than I've ever been <laughs> with it. Okay, okay. How are you? Are you happy with your draft of book two? No. <laughs> we're not We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's like off, off limits. Okay. You're, you're going to walk out of the interview. Like, I told you we're not talking about that. <laughs> Technically, I didn't. I didn't tell you this was off the table, but... Exactly, so it's your fault. We're agreeing on that. Okay, cool. (laughs) So moving on to the next question. How do you get CPs and betas? And who should and shouldn't be your primary betas and CPs? Um, I think there are a lot of ways to get CPs and betas. Um, and I think everybody has different ways that work for them. Um... So, first of all, I'm just going to say that I didn't know that I had any CPs until, like, a couple of weeks ago, um, because I was under the impression that, I guess, if you had to have a CP, somebody had to say the word CP at some point and establish this relationship, and nobody had done this with me. Um, But apparently, a CP is just somebody that you brainstorm with, and you guys read each other's works and give each other feedback. So, I have... A lot of CPs now. Um, they're not established, but I have them. Um, so uh, the way that I got my CPs is um, just by being part of the writing community. Um, like, I think I met a lot of people actually through pitching during pitch wars or DV pit uh, or seeing people's pitches and being like, I really like this book. Um, I actually, I slid into someone's DMs to beta read their work one time, which I, I like, it, it was actually kind of shady of me. Um, and if somebody had done that to me, I don't know if I would have sent them my book, but she was very lovely and she sent me her book and I did give her feedback and we're friends now. So it's, it was okay. Um, but yeah, that was like how I met most of my CPs just by establishing a connection through that. Um, becoming friends and then trusting each other enough to send over um, our books. Um, and now I have a couple of people like yourself, Farida, who I can like brainstorm with and who I can send my books to and I feel comfortable doing that. What do you think? What are good ways of getting betas and CPs? Yeah, I agree. I think joining the writing community and just creating kind of organic friendships and relationships with people um, that later kind of become people that you can rely on and they can rely on you for feedback on your writing and your work. Um, Uh I was kind of on Twitter all the time talking about writing and I met people through different things like um, author mental match pitching and taking part in that. I met some of my betas and my CPs and they've been amazing. I, before that, I just kind of edited my own, not knowing what I was doing wrong and when I got my CP such as my friend Cass who is both me and Adiba's CP um who's amazing because she has so much experience she has like she's just amazing she's been in the industry for so long and she knows so many things and she told me what was wrong with my book and I agreed because I didn't really see it before but she knew more than I did and she kind of told me what I could do to improve and I've like taken on her her words ever since with everything else I've written yeah Cass has such a great critical eye she's a great person to have as your beta or your CP actually isn't she like an editor as well 
Yeah, she's an editor at Amberjack. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, she's don't, great. Don't bombard Cass with messages to be become your CP because she's our CP. <laughs> Very territorial. We don't, want to, we don't want to share Cass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and who shouldn't be your beta or CP? Um. So actually, first of all, I want to share an experience okay. with a bad beta. And I think... Like, I want to share it because I think this is especially something that marginalized people, like, can fall victim to. I know what you're talking um, about. I know who you're talking about. You? I think I do. Actually, maybe I should share two stories. Is it the one from the old book? Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was going to say. Yes, I know that okay. one. Okay, okay. Um, so, basically, um, I this was when I was writing um, an adult book and... I, w- I was querying it um, and somebody who claimed that they had worked as an editor before and was actually quite well known in the writing community um, and was uh, I had a lot of mutual friends with um, said that they wanted to offer um, they want to offer manuscript c- critics to marginalized authors um, so because I felt like they were a trusted person in the community and they had been an editor before I thought well I'll take them up on this um, so I messaged them and I was like I would like I would love it if you could read my manuscript and give me feedback um, so they were like yep I, I will do that I sent them on my manuscript um, and then I didn't hear back from them for like a year, I think more than a year. Um, and then, you know, after like more than a year, they messaged me on Twitter. So this was, I, I had already started writing the Hannah Wars. Um, I'd send it out to a lot of beta readers and like a lot of them were kind of talking about the Hannah Wars on Twitter, I guess. Um, so this person had seen it um, and they messaged me um, and they basically said that they hadn't been able to beta read my book because they were going through a bad bout of mental mental health, which is fair enough. Um, but I think like it's important to let people know at the same time. Um, and then they kind of followed it up by saying that um, they saw like how people were hyped about the Hannah Wars and they really hoped that um, I would get an agent and that it would do well because they were very dedicated to supporting people like me. Yikes. Um, yeah. So, like, I mean, everything else before that was okay. But then when the people like me came up, it was just like, like, there are certain people, like, just in the world, not just in publishing, who are always going to, like, try really hard to appear like they're an ally but they're never going to actually do the work so i think this person was one of those people um and as marginalized people you do have or as marginalized people we do have to be very careful about who we send our work to because um like for example this might happen where somebody is like very they want to appear like they want to support us without actually supporting us um but also like sometimes you might get feedback that is coded uh, feedback from people who don't really understand our work and want to change it because they don't understand it so i think it's really important to be aware of that and to have that on the back of your mind when you do have betas and cps 
I agree. I feel like a good editor, a good CP, someone that is like good at criticizing people's work in a very constructive way. They don't try and change the way you write. They look at your work objectively and just look for ways of improving it that way, not trying to change your style. So I always look for that in betas and CPs. I know a bad beta or CP when I know they're trying to change the way I write. Um, But that hasn't really happened to me. I feel like my betas and CPs have been really, really great. They've been like, they've really taught me a lot about writing and how to improve. And I'd honestly not be where I am today without them. Yeah, I feel like other than that experience, I've mostly had a really positive experience. Um, And I agree with you. I think the most important thing is that your beta and your CP um, understands that um, this is your voice and this is your vision. And they're not there to change your voice or to change your vision. They're there to help make it better. That's their job. Agreed. So we're going to move on to the next question. Do you plan a book? I feel like we kind of touched on this earlier, but do you plan? Why not? What's your process of writing? Um, so I don't plan a book. Um, I, I've i tried planning before. And it just doesn't really work for me. Like when I plan a book, I feel like I kind of lose the exci- excitement of it. Um, so I prefer to like have a basic idea. Um, I have like a brainstorm of the things that are going to happen, the kind of major themes I want to touch on. Um, like I have, I usually have the beginning, middle and end. Those are the basic things that I always have, but everything else is kind of like I fill in as I go. Um, and the main reason why I do it is because I like to find out about my characters and I like to find about find out about my world and about the story as I'm writing. That's something that motivates me to keep writing. I feel like a lot of writers are that way and I completely get it. I used to kind of write that way and go with the flow and try and figure out things on the way, but I found that it kind of gave me anxiety and I really like having a really strict, or not even strict, because I do divert from the plan a lot, but um, I like having a detailed plan where I know exactly what's going to happen in certain scenes and where the character's going and what their arc's going to look like. I just find it very satisfying knowing what I'm doing. But some people like to discover on their way. Um, my plans are really, really long. They could be a book themselves. But yeah, I, I love planning. How long was your plan for Ace of Spades? It was like almost 20k. It was 15k. Yeah. I feel like the most planning I can do is I can write, like, a really brief, like, synopsis that's, like, maybe one page or two page. And even then, it's, like, that's too much planning for me. Wow. We're, like, polar opposites. Yeah. I just, I, I just can't, I don't know how people, like, plan so much and then still have, like, the motivation to write their book. Like, I just can't do that. Actually, one writer was saying how she doesn't really plan, but she has to know her endings. Um, so she knows where she's going but other than that I think she kind of just goes with the flow yeah I like I like having like a like my ending like I like knowing what the conclusion is kind of going to be um so I know what I'm working towards it's not just like you're on a journey without a destination you have a destination you just have to figure out how to get there that's a really good like way of putting that I feel yeah like Somehow I plan a lot, but I never know what my endings are. Like my endings always change. Um, like with Ace of Spades, my endings has changed so much. Like the ending you read from the draft you got, 
has just it just doesn't exist anymore <laughs> um okay i'm really interested to see what the new ending is it's really um, surprising my agent came up with it okay now i really want to know can you like message me what it is i will yeah but like actually like the ending for the head wars changed a lot as well um okay. like it changed a lot because like so i do always have my ending in mind when i write my draft but also like usually most things change as i'm writing like my second draft or my third draft a lot of things change so i i don't have a problem changing my ending i just need to know an ending for when i'm drafting um but the ending for the hannah wars is also completely different from the one that you read i want to know that one as well so this question is kind of like an anti question but i wanted to ask it because i wanted to discuss it because a lot of people seem to have an idea about what publishing is like in the market so what ideas are good enough to work market wise and to be sold to editors? Um, I really don't know because I don't, I don't like, I don't really like. I've never really thought about the market when I'm writing, but at the same time, I feel like I like when I wrote the Hannah Wars and when I was querying the Hannah Wars, it was like the perfect time for the market. Yeah. Um, because it was right after um to all the boys i've loved before love simon and crazy rich asian so everybody was like i want to read rom-coms um so when i like because i i actually found my agent through um mswl manuscript wishlist um and there were a lot of agents who had like basically my book a rom-com um on their manuscript bush list um so i had a lot of agents record because of that um so like i wasn't thinking about the market when i wrote the henna wars but somehow i ended up writing for the market as well i feel like that sometimes just happens people write a book and it just happens to be what the market wants at the time i think that's what happens actually most of the time because you can't ever predict what the market wants um what you yeah. see in bookshops you're already two years late to the party um because this is what was popular in submission inboxes two years prior. And what you're seeing in bookshops are just the result of what was bought two years ago. Um, whereas it just depends. I feel like you should write what you want to write and like hope for the best because the market is unpredictable. I mean, some people can kind of guess what the market wants based on trends. But as a writer, you can't really write for the market. You have to kind of write what you want to write and think about the market later when yeah like it's very very like i feel like it's impossible to actually predict um the market because you just can't especially when you're when you're querying because at least like when usually when you have an agent or you have a book deal stuff you are a little bit more in the know about the publishing industry yeah um so like even still it, it would be very difficult for you to do it but when you're like at the stage of querying like it's near impossible to actually predict the market um but at the same time like i feel like there's some things that like never really that are never really not marketable like contemporary for example as a general like as a genre contemporary that's never kind of been not trendy you can always write a contemporary and you know like it it can fit in somewhere yeah i feel like 
I always hear of more fantastical genres that people say die. Um, yeah. But contemporary, I'm already here. It dies. Maybe just like it dies down, but never really completely goes out of fashion. Yeah. I think we're going to move on to one of the last questions, which is uh-huh. talking about mentorships and pitch contests. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, me. Did I mention this earlier or did I mention that in the one that we were filming before or recording? You mentioned before? it. You mentioned it. Okay, cool. So, as I mentioned earlier, we, um, me, Adiba, and some of my friends of color, we decided to do a mentorship scheme for writers of color called Avengers of Color, where we mentored writers that were unagented and wanted to pursue traditional publishing and we helped them with their query package which is kind of like the query your pitches synopsis and like a few pages um like 25 pages and we just helped them make sure that they have a very strong um query package and we're definitely going to do it again next year but we thought it was very interesting that there weren't really many mentorship schemes that were aimed at people of colour, especially with the statistics out there that show time and time again people of colour are being neglected in the industry. Um, So I wanted to make sure there was something out there that was helping them and giving them the knowledge that is often not accessible to them. So did you ever get into any mentorship schemes? I did not, but to be fair, I only applied to one and my book was not ready, like to be in that mentorship program okay so like i'm i'm not surprised that i wasn't in a mentorship program um were you accepted into any mentorship programs never (laughs) (laughs) i applied to a few and i never got into any one of them i was so heartbroken i remember after seeing one of the results of one of them i just like closed my laptop dramatically and i went to cry in my bed Uh and I played like sad music and I was like I'm never going to be published and um one I was really heartbroken actually oh my god um I don't even want to be shady so I'm going to talk about one of the feedback because one of them was low-key microaggressive but basically some of the feedback I got from one of the mentorship schemes was really good um and I'm actually like acquainted with the writer still that gave me the feedback her name is Dana Meal I think I'm saying her name right I'm sorry I'm English and we mess up everything um (laughs) stop colonizing Dana's name I'm sorry Dana um but basically she wrote this amazing queer book that I love but I wanted to query her because, not query her, I wanted to submit to her because she kind of ticked everything as a mentor and she represented something that I was writing, um, which was queer thrillers. And um, she just wanted basically what themes I had in my book. So I, I submitted to her and she got back to me and said, you were definitely one of my top choices and this is what I would do better with your book. I read the whole thing. She actually suggested changing the ending as well. A lot of people said the ending sucked before. It was the ending you read. Uh, they said it was very like dark and sad. Yeah, I felt so sad after I read that ending. I felt like I'd lost all hope in the world. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's how I feel every day. So I was like, okay, this is a book for teens. I guess I need to make it a bit happier. So I didn't make it happy in an unrealistic way. I just kind of made it more hopeful. That there is like a solution to racism, but <laughs> can you tell us what the solution is? No, I guess in twenty twenty exactly we'll have, to, we'll have to wait until twenty twenty to exactly. figure out the solution to racism. Exactly, but basically, 
Dana gave me really, really good feedback. So I think that it was not wasted submitting to the mentorship scheme. I also got really good feedback from Judy Lim, who is like another mentor on that mentorship scheme and submitted to her and she was really amazing. I also got feedback from Rebecca Barrow. And so like that mentorship scheme was great. There was another one I entered as well. We're not going to talk about that. But basically... Um, I never got into any mentorship scheme. I feel like a lot of people feel so depressed and sad and feel like this says something about their writing. But honestly, having a mentor is great because they can show you stuff you wouldn't otherwise get to know and see. But it's not the be or end all. It's not going to make you get an agent automatically. It can improve your chances because you have more access to information. But you're not necessarily going to get the magic portal key to getting an agent. It just lets you have more information and has have someone that is agented or has a book deal give you guidance yeah and i feel like one thing that maybe we don't talk about enough in the community is that getting into a mentorship program is actually statistically more difficult than getting an agent yeah um like there's far fewer mentors than there are agents because there are so many agents um so statistically you're more likely to get an agent than to get into a mentorship program so you know like you shouldn't feel bad about it because it's really really difficult to get into a mentorship program um and like because like we've obviously done the avengers of color mentorship um and i was also um an amm mentor um like last year this year i can't remember um should i look that up it was last year last year okay um um, so obviously like we've done the avengers of color mentorship or we're we've mentored people for that um and i was also an amma mentor um and like when i was looking through the submissions like for a lot of them like there was so much talent, but I have, like, such a limited amount of time, you know? Like, I'm writing, doing loads of work, and, you know, I have a life. Um, so, not a great life, but, you know. Um, so, like, even though, like, there's some great stuff out there, there's only so many people that you can choose to actually mentor with the time and energy that you have. Um, so you have to think about like the fact that oh, like all the time, I think I had like a couple of, AM, for AMM, I had a couple of people that I really, really liked. Um, and I ended up um, like picking one of them because I just really connected with their story. Um, and the others, like, I love their writing. Um, I thought they had like great stories to tell and I like I am sure that they would go on to like revise and get an agent um, I just wasn't personally able to help them do that um, so like it's just it's difficult to think about this when you're on the other side um, and not take it as like a personal affront against yourself but like so much of it is just not personal. It's just like people having time constraints, people, um, yeah, people are having time constraints and the fact that it's just really hard to get into a mentorship program. Yeah, I agree. And doing the Avengers of Color this summer, I felt like 
a lot of people are so talented and I gave feedback to all my mentees because I just wanted to give them some type of direction. I feel like often when you're querying, it's like you're kind of in this void and screaming for help and like everyone's like, I'm busy. So I was, I even though I couldn't take on all of them, obviously, I like really yeah. liked a lot of my submissions and I felt like they were really talented and a lot of them are going to go on to do really great things. Um, even I was supposed to take only one mentee, but I just couldn't because my mentees are like, it's crazy. I always tell them, listen, if you don't get an agent, I'll be personally offended if you're not. <laughs> so I feel like there's so much talent out there. It's just that mentorship schemes can't always take everyone, even if you are ready. Like we met someone at Yelp, we won't say her name. And um, Yelp is like the British um, book con. And she had applied to Avengers of Colour. And for the mentee, she, the mentors she had applied to has said that her book was amazing. And I've actually read it now. I've read some pages from it and it's amazing. And her query is great. And I think she's going to do so well. They were saying that they feel like she was ready to basically query and go ahead and try and seek representation because that's how great she was. So sometimes when you're rejected for mentorships, you're actually ready on your own. Uh, you just need mm-hmm. someone to tell you that you're ready. Yeah. And like just speaking as a marginalized person, I do think like a lot of us are at a disadvantage um, when it comes to mentorship programs the same way that we are when it comes to querying because you will get the same kind of rejections that you will get from agents when you're querying. Um, Like you said, you got a coded rejection for one of the mentorship programs you submitted to. So like you will get like coded rejections. You will get people saying, I can't connect with this story and it's probably because they can't connect with the fact that you're writing a POC character or you're writing a Muslim character or you're writing a queer character, you're writing all three of those things, um, or a disabled character or, you know, a whole host of marginalizations. Um, And, like, it's just unfortunate because the statistics are, like, they're skewed against you because um, that's unfortunately how this system has been built. Um, so again, if you are a marginalized, marginalized writer and you're applying to mentorship programs, that is something that you have to look forward to. That's so lovely, Adiba. <laughs> yes, I, I love, you know, this, this is one thing that I really miss about querying, all of the coded rejections you get. Same. I miss being I mean, told. I guess, I guess we still get it with, like, submissions sometimes, so... It never ends, so you haven't missed out much. It's just never-ending, really is. It's fun. (laughs) And that kind of brings us to pitch contests. I feel like there are a few that happen every year. I always see new ones, especially for fantasy, but there's, like, SFF pit, there's DV pit, um, there's so much, like, pit mad. Did you ever, like, take part in any? Yes. Um, So with my first book that I was querying that was an adult I think I did Pip Mad and then I did DV Pit um so my book was adult literary fiction um which like adult doesn't get a load of traction in um pitching contests usually adult literary fiction definitely doesn't so basically I didn't do too well with that book um like some books are just not made for pitching and that book definitely wasn't like it did not pitch well um with the henna wars i just did dv pit and it did really really well i think the um the time that i did it 
it was actually one of like the top pitches for the contest um but like it didn't actually lead to me getting an agent i got my agent through cold querying and could you kind of like explain what dvp is Yes, so DVPIT is basically a pitching contest for um, marginalized writers um, and I think now marginalized artists as well um, because there's a new um, new category for graphic novels. Um, so basically, on the day of DVPIT, you can write a pitch um, about your book you put in some hashtags, hashtag DVPIT. Um, you can hashtag. You should hashtag the category of your book and the genre, and even what marginalization it has in the book. Um, if its own voices or not, it doesn't have to be. Um, and you send it off. And if uh, if an agent likes it, basically you can query them. If an editor likes it, um, you can tell your future agent to send your book to this editor um so yeah it's just a really great way for marginalized authors to actually get their foot in the door i agree i feel like beth who is the creator has done such great work for it and i think it's helped so many marginalized writers get noticed and get like the spotlight they don't normally get yeah i didn't get an agent through dvp either i actually was similar to adiba i had a really popular pitch it was one of the top for the day i think and i ended up getting a lot of interest and it didn't pan out i still got kind of coded language i still didn't get anywhere until i done cold querying and got my agent through that but yeah i feel like it's really great for marginalized people and it's really changed the industry in a very beneficial way yeah and i feel like like it's not even the fact that um you know their agents seeing your pitches uh, or even getting like a load of likes um on dv pit day i think a lot of it or for me anyway it, it's like seeing the fact that there's all of these stories by marginalized people and um about marginalized people and that people actually want to see them yeah um, and that there are people who are fighting for them i think that's like that's a really important thing for people to actually see do you feel happy that you did dv pit even though you didn't get an agent for that i feel like dv pit put me out there and made me learn some skills like how to pitch a book in short form um mm -hmm. and how to make people interested in that from just a very small paragraph um yeah sometimes editors also see your pitches and sometimes the editors that see your pitches in dvp end up actually being the editors that you submit to with your agent so like if an editor likes your pitch or retweets it it's kind of in the industry kind of code that you can put them down as someone to like submit to when you're when you finally have an agent and remind them that oh i was this pitch that you liked in the repeat i think my editor did as well that's so cool so like was that from dv pit um i'm not sure because i like basically after i announced um being agented um my agent emailed me a couple of times to say so-and-so had asked to be put on the sublet yeah and i'm pretty sure my editor was one of those people I think she was. I remember you saying, I think. Okay. 
But I'm yeah. gonna trust your memory over mine. Oh, uh, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I shouldn't trust mine either, so... No one can be trusted. Okay, that's basically what we're trying to say. But yeah, I feel like DV Pit has so many good outcomes. There's editors that notice you. There's agents that notice you. There's really so many things you get out of it. So I don't regret going into it, even though I didn't get anything. Like, I didn't get an agent out of it, but I did get, like, skills. And I, I met some people that were... That are now my really good friends. So, and a yeah, lot of my I, friends I didn't. I feel like I made a lot of friends through DV Pit. It's really great. Like it's another community thing. You can make CPs. Like you, like you can make friends and you can make CPs and betas. Yeah. All these pitch contests introduce you to people in the industry, and there's never they're never wasted. I feel. Do you think there are any downsides to doing a pitching contest? For sure, someone can steal your idea. Yeah, that's that's true. Someone can steal your idea. I wonder if that's ever happened. I think I've heard of it happening before. Okay. Um, I think I feel like one downside is also that you kind of put like a timer on yourself. Yes. Um, and like it's mostly like a because like I feel like other people don't actually like notice you that much, but because you put yourself out there, you kind of have this anxiety, um, that everybody's kind of waiting for you. Um, so if you don't have like an agent and then if you don't have like a book deal very soon after you've pitched, you feel like, oh, like all these people were interested in my work and now I've failed. Um, so I think like you do have to be careful about pitching. You have to make sure that you're actually ready to query, um, because you don't want to put like, you don't want to put that timer on yourself. Um, and you don't like, you don't want to be kind of stuck feeling like you failed when maybe the reason why you don't have an agent yet is because maybe your book wasn't ready to query and it just needed a bit more work 100 i um, entered dv pit with my book before ace of spades and i felt so embarrassed that like i still didn't have an agent by the next dv pit or book deal or anything i felt like i had failed everyone that were rooting for me and I felt so sad and I felt like I let everybody down and that I was just a failure and that put me in a deep depression. So I feel like you shouldn't be too hard on yourself about the outcome and people generally don't care. They're not watching you. They supported you on the day, but like they're not watching you, I don't think. Yeah, and I think like, I think most people are supportive in the community. Oh, no, actually that's, that's a lie. I don't think that. <laughs> We need to cut that out. But I think, like, I think if you have, um, like, a community of friends around you, if you have people that you trust, um, you, you have your beta readers and your CPs and your writer friends, um, they are there to support you. And hopefully they're there to support you for both your highs and your lows because in this industry, like, you're going to have both of those, you know? Like, um, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. And sometimes... They come one after, right after the other. Um, so, like, I think it's important to have that, to have, like, people who can support you, um, especially with something like DV Pit, because, um, or it just pitching contests in general, because I think whether you do well or you do really badly, you can actually fall into that kind of depression, because you can do really well, and then you're like, well... I'm super overwhelmed now. I have all of these agents that want my work. Um, and then if you don't get an offer of representation, you're like, my my writing sucks. This is my fault. Why don't I have an agent yet? And you can feel really bad about yourself. 
Um, and then if you don't get any likes for DeviantPit, and that could be for a whole number of reasons. It could be because your book is a book that doesn't pitch well, um, but you can have the exact same feeling. You can just feel like, well, my writing sucks. My book sucks. Nobody's going to want me, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's just important to have like, friends and people who are going to support you through those feelings just be kind to yourself i feel like we beat ourselves up so much over small things and it's so hard this industry that we need to really look out for ourselves and the way we process rejection and not see it as the end of basically the journey there's always going to be highlights and you have to just keep on writing and trying and striving. I feel like there are people that are making it out there, getting traditionally published. I feel like anyone can. But I know it's very hard for marginalised writers. I'm not I'm not going to write that off at all because we're definitely at a disadvantage and we're definitely treated differently than our white counterparts. But we should still look after ourselves and not like give up when things like this happen. Yeah, I think it's doubly important for marginalized writers to have that support system and to not be so hard on yourself because um like a lot of the time like we said before our rejections are coming from like a really horrible place from like racism you know from somebody being bigoted towards us um and you can't like you can't tell the difference because you're getting like form rejections or like you don't know if somebody's rejecting you because your writing sucks or if it's because um they you know they just don't like books about poc um or they don't want books about poc um and i think like i just think it's really important to have like other um poc in the industry to actually talk to about this stuff like me and farida we always like vent to each other about like all of this and it helps it helps like so much just to have somebody who understands and who you can talk to about this yeah, I agree. Like, either, rather than being made to feel like you're worthless or having all these thoughts in your head without, like, processing them out loud with other people that feel the same way, I think having friends to talk to definitely helps, which is why you should get involved in the community and try and find people that are like-minded and understand your experiences. So I'm going to end the episode there. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, when can people find you online? Um, so people can find me on Twitter at uh, Adiba, A-D-I-B-A underscore J. Um, on Instagram, people can find me at uh, D-I-B-S underscore J. And I have a website, which is just my name, com. I'm going to put all of these in the show notes so that you can go and follow her and check out her website and add her book. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me.